We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those thugs. Thugs. What up, though? Respect. Thuggish, ruggish bone. I'm about to give them all the bars of that song. I feel like they need all of them. I feel like they need those bars, but it's pretty sweet that you actually know the words of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Like a lot of their songs, like a lot. That takes a a lot of focus and dedication. Listen, I was in college when they was popping. I was smoking weed. You know, it was easy. Uh, welcome to the iHeart Miko podcast. I am Miko Grimes. Hello, Brent Grimes. What up? Today is March 13th, 2019. This is episode 150. 150. 150. I'm proud of myself. Um, for those of you that don't know and don't follow me on social media, I had an emergency today. Man. I had to, I had to request the hospital. <laughs> Man. My neck. And her back. And my back, my neck, and my back. Um, I don't know what happened, but I I thought that I just slept funny and had a crook in my neck, and then it progressively got worse to the point today where, if you know me, you know it was bad. If I allowed the hospital to inject something into my butt, so Ooh, that I Miko could... took a tortoise shot. She is officially <laughs> a savage. She put it all on the line for this podcast, and now she's here. <laughs> Yeah, that took a lot for me to do that because I don't I don't like medicine. Yeah, no, that was, I didn't know if you were going to do it, but you did it. I did it. I had to. I couldn't move. Savage. I was I was stuck. Was I'm still up. hurting right now too, but I got to push through because I got work to do, and I'm tired of people blowing me up saying, "What's up with the podcast, though? Is yeah. you all right yet?" <laughs> people do not care. They don't give a damn. If you hurt, and they no. like, bitch, where's the content? They don't give a damn about your feelings, your pain. And I feel them. It's a whole lot going on right now. So we gonna, we're not even going to hold y'all. We're going to get right into it. I'm also going to have another guest on with us. Uh, most of you know him as Raider Bounty. Okay, so I'm going to call him right now and get him on so we can just get to all the shits. Yellow. Hey. Hey. What it do? So we live? Yes, we are. Now, I hear myself right. talking back somehow. You might have to fix that. I can hear myself. It's like an okay. echo. We got Brain on here also? Yeah, yes. I'm here. Hey, what's up, man? What up, bro? You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so I'm going to have that edited out. Three, four, two... Uh, welcome back. I I don't know what to say. You told me you was done with this football shit. You was definitely done with this Raider shit. And then here you are. <laughs> what happened? What changed? Did a lot of things changed? 
Uh, there's some pretty fun stories that popped up from Kaepernick, you know, the, uh, to uh, the Robert Kraft situation. And, you know, the free agency is always fun to talk about. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it is. So I, um, for those who don't know, Raider Bounty has been on my podcast quite a few times. And although I get all the credit for it, you're the one that broke the Raiders offensive line story. I don't mind taking credit for that, but it's not mine. It is not mine. So honorable. <laughs> I said it so many times, but people don't care. They want to, they want to believe it was me because it was on my podcast. And I'm like, okay, sure. If you want to give me some credit for some shit I didn't do. Great. I'll take it. And we were, we weren't even the ones that, that broke the story. I mean, if anybody listened to the podcast, we, we, I guess we brought some attention to yeah, it. Yeah, we brought the attention. We the easy, you know, I think that going after you as an easy target, um, obviously with the, the chauvinism in, in, in sports and media, going after an, an outspoken female, um, you know, you just give people a little bit of ammo and they'll run with it. Mm-hmm. But that story was originally broken. And, and we said this on your podcast we were just talking about it. We, we, we didn't break it. We were talking about a story that was broken by the by a radio station in Sacramento. Nobody believed they it. They were though. the guys. Yeah, nobody believed it until I said right. it. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then, then nobody believed it on the podcast until you went, you know, on the Breakfast the Club breakfast and talked club. about it. And I talked about and then we're, we're, Yeah, it was, it was a month later. And then, you know, and then first we got trashed for lying and, you know, narratives changed several times over because it's had to, because in retrospect, uh, there was nothing, it was worse than we even, um, talked about. So, well, we're going to, we're going to get to the AB, um, in Raider story. There's so many other things to cover. Let's, I wanted to cover some non-football stuff with you guys. Hey, Brent, you ready? I'm ready. You probably don't know about any of this stuff. So, um, first of all, let me just say free J-Ski. J-Ski is out. Do you know who J-Ski is, Raider Bounty? I do not. J-Ski is Little Duval's best friend. One of his best friends. He's been in jail for a while, I believe. I think it was for selling weed. I don't know for sure. I never looked at the charges, but he just got out. I'm so happy for him. Uh, while Little Duval was in, while he was in jail, Little Duval lost his other best friend that we call Kool-Aid. He died of cancer. And um, all of this was happening when he had living my best life, like streaming number one everywhere. And I was just like, how crazy is it to be singing a song, living my best life, while one best friend is in jail and the other one is dying of cancer and then died? Yeah, that is that is kind of crazy. But hey, a number one song. I'm just hoping that Jayski doesn't um, go back. <laughs> you, you know how somebody does that? They they understand the grieving process. He did, yeah, and that's exactly what he said. He was like, "I already understand this. I get this. It's not going to bother me." And so, even if, go ahead. Let me let me tell you a, a quick quick story. Uh, exactly one year ago yesterday, uh, my best friend of thirty one years, uh, his baby died during labor. Oh, and uh, hardest thing I've ever had to deal with um, by far, and. I felt so guilty because we were, you know, we've been, we grew up neighbors and we, you know, once I got my wife pregnant, he got his chick pregnant and we were going to raise kids together and try and recreate what we had. And so there was a lot of this, oh, what was meant to be sort of situation and a lot of expectations and, and we built this whole thing up, you know, and then mm-hmm. when we both found out we were going to have girls, it was like, oh, this is definitely meant to be. And then all those plans get thrown out the door yeah. and it was extremely difficult. I didn't pick up my daughter 
look at her. I hid in the garage for about two weeks. Um, I wouldn't sleep with my wife. I slept on the living room floor and, and really went through like some tough emotional stuff. Cause your best friend lost his kid. Yeah. Um, which felt like I lost my own. There is all sorts of shit that goes through your head in those moments where you're, you know, you're, I was sitting there going, man, I wish I could trade places with him. I'm built to handle this kind of grief. He's not. You know, mm. I, I would I would give up my child so he could have his. Oh, he, wow. he, I look at my child. I, I look at my child. I definitely would not. Yeah, like that's your he, that's that's some serious shit. Y'all got a serious bond. He, he's my brother. He's as close as family as I'm ever going to have. Um, and so I felt like I'd lost a child. And there was a what my therapist said was it was called, it's called survivor's guilt. You know, you're you 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 know. And so every time I looked at my daughter. I was reminded of, you know, what should have been with his. And so that's why I, I was all messed up from it. I will always be reminded of what's missing um, when I'm when I when I'm with my daughter. The difference between pre-grieving and post-grieving is when I hold my daughter now, I'm grateful for what I have. I'm not sitting there in pain for what I don't. And, oh. and it's not – I will never not think about his, his, his daughter. I'll just look at it a different way. And that's what I'm saying. When you, when you sit there and you say, how could somebody who's gone through that um, sing a song about living his best life? It's because he's, it's not like finding the silver lining. It's about just going through all through all the stages of grief and allows you to, to see, um, you know, what you do have and not what you don't. Mm, Preach on it. Speaking of daughters, let's segue real quick. That's that topic had me like soft. We got to, we got to, we got to get some jokes off or laugh or something. So I want to segue into this up other topic with Felicity Huffman and all these other illegals, um in Hollywood that have um, been busted in a, what is it called? A, a, they're calling it the, the varsity blues. They're calling it varsity blues. So actress Felicity Huffman was arrested after a, uh, Federal agents came to her house in Hollywood on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Um, she was indicted for conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest service mail fraud. She is accused of giving $15,000 charitable donation to her oldest daughter to get special treatment for her SAT exam, which allowed Huffman's daughter twice the amount of time to finish the test and for the paid proctor to correct the exam's wrong answers. Also, Full House actress Lori... Uh, Laughlin was also indicted in federal investigation, but federal agents were unable to arrest her because she's on set for a new movie in Vancouver. But her husband, Massimo, you know who Massimo is? The do- designer from Target? Yeah. That's it, her husband. Okay. Oh, shit. They arrested okay. him, the owner of the Massimo collection. They arrested him. And the, she's going to turn herself in once her movie's done, I guess. I'm like, damn, bitch, get tied. But what basically what's going on is that we have all these white elite Hollywood people who have decided to um, give their children um, an illegal opportunity at college. There were other parents who had paid off the rowing team or crew team, whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. to lie and say that their kids are on the team so they could put it on their resume. Some people gave up to $500,000 for their kids to pass SATs, ACTs, fake resumes, get teachers to take tests for them, um, also to make sure that they get accepted into these schools. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this at all. That was going to be my exact 
I, I can see things like that happening. I also know that people buy degrees. Yes. So if you can buy a degree, you definitely, it's, you know, money, money makes everything go around, you know? Riff? That was my, that was my exact uh, comment is, does any of this surprise us? It shouldn't. What's I, the, and then my second, the second ahead. comment is, once again, everybody's getting paid but the athlete. <laughs> like I, I, the, I, the, I yeah. just can't help but laugh. You know, it's and laughable. And the worst part I'm about all. To, go ahead. I'm trying to to figure out though if I really care. Oh, I care. Uh, any employer that hires somebody simply based on their degree is an idiot. This um, is college, though. We're talking about getting into college. Right. And they can buy their way through college and they mm-hmm. can they can their parents can pay tutors to do all their work in high school. And they're really going to end up pretty worthless. And if an employer can't see through that and is only looking at their degree, the employer is getting what they deserve. I'm trying to figure out who the victim is here. Um, the victims that, are black and brown parents that are currently in jail for listing uh, a false address on their child's um, high school um, application so that they can get a better future. Now, there are lots of schools in the hood and urban communities that don't have books. They don't even have supplies. They have nothing. So a lot of black and brown parents had thought up same thing my family did. Let's put you in a school in a different district. Since you are smart, you're talented, you need a boost. We're going to lie and say you live at this address and use somebody's address and then you can just go to school from there. Parents are black and brown children predominantly are literally in jail right now for doing that. Now, if they don't go to jail, man, that's some white privilege right there. Well, I, I'm not even going to like deny that they're they're going to find a way to buy their way out of this. They yeah. can uh, they can afford to jam up the legal system to the point where they can plea out of it. And that that topic is more a function of the the horrible justice system we have mm-hmm. uh, uh, go, going on. Parents trying to skirt the system to better their their children's uh position in life that that's colorblind every parent's going to try and do that and i'm not surprised when they do what surprises me is any parent that thinks it's going see it's a slightly different you your your parents weren't doing your homework for you they were just trying to get you in the door Mm -hmm. to where you could better yourself these parents of these kids, it, this is different in that they're not only trying to get them into these schools, but they don't want them to have to actually do the work either. They want to buy the degree so that they can go get a token job with some company that their friend owns. Mm-hmm. And, and the degree's a requisite to slip it. It's a lot of nepotism. They're, 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 they're slightly different. And any company that hires one of these morons is getting what they deserve. I don't think that matters. You know, I think that people just push people along. That's the part of the issue I have with America and how people don't understand how black people are disadvantaged because we don't have people in those. First, we don't have the money to afford to do. There are some that we could afford to do this for Aiden, you know, but that's a select few. And then when you pass that, we don't know. We don't have the um, we don't have the connections and the people in place to facilitate all these things. And we also don't have the companies who own and make all the decisions to, to put our children into these jobs that they're not qualified for. Like if it was all equal, if everybody was able to do this, cool, but everybody can't, it's only for the illegals. And I'm so glad they got caught. I'm just wondering now if they're going to 
do anything about it if they're going to slap them on what the wrist. Slap on the wrist. It mm. Slap on the wrist. It happens. So these other black and brown families are staying in jail for changing the address just so their child could have books at their school. Probably so. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, again, I just go back to what's this guy, he, Mossimo? He owns the brand. He's a dang near billionaire, or he is a billionaire. What a waste of money. Just go give your daughter a, a token job at the company. What, what, like, there's way cheaper ways to send her on a four year kegger. True. The Lori Laughlin's daughter has got a video going around on Twitter where she's openly saying she doesn't care about going to school, but she wants to go do the party. Yeah, she was like, I don't want to go to class. I just want to go to games and have game night and then the the partying at the college. She literally had a video up saying that. Right. And and, and (laughs) to be honest, I appreciate her honesty because that's 99% of white kids that get their school paid for. That's all they care about going for. That's why you can't make free, uh, universe, you know, education for kids in America because that's all they really give a damn about, and, and it's a waste of money. So I, I just don't understand how these parents. This guy didn't get rich by being stupid with his money, Mm-mm. and then he's just going to go spend half a million dollars to buy his daughter a degree. Like, to just go give her a job at the, that she never has. That's not to show enough. Up for. That's not enough. Well, I, well, it's also bragging rights to they say have your to daughter act like, is a yeah. college grad. They, it's like they, the they, perfect family. Yeah, they weren't doing little rinky-dink schools. They were going big. Harvard schools. Honey. Yeah. Harvard. <sighs> Harvard elitals. Okay? This ain't like just fucking Cal State Bakersfield or something. <laughs> They're going big with their money. And so I, I'm hoping that, um, I, I don't know why I'm hoping. I, I don't have any belief in it, but I'm hoping that this is more than just a slap on the wrist because it just pretty much tells kids that aren't capable that don't have all this another opportunity to tell them you don't matter you don't have enough money to to do the things that you would love to do so you have to work 10 times harder to even get less basically and be judged when you do work hard enough and get there it's a hot mess and they're taking spots from other kids you know how you apply to schools you apply to multiple schools because you don't know which one you're going to get into yeah and they're just taking up spaces from people that really I mean, worked but that's hard. Just life, jobs that happen, people that are way less qualified than somebody else get a job yeah. because of who you know or who you're associated uh, uh, with. So that's just life in America or everywhere. Hey, so I'll be totally honest with you. I got a stellar resume. I've never once gotten a job in my life because of it. Right. <laughs> it's because of who you know or who you know. Yeah. It's just relationships. It's not what you know. It's who yeah. you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I guess we're going to see what happens with that. Um, segue into something pro-black after that. Jordan Peele, director, producer from Get Out. That was a hilariously scary, funny movie. He is now um, um, premiering a movie called Us. And it has Lupita in it. It's a, basically a black horror movie. And oh, yeah. people are comparing him to um, Stephen King. He's going to be the black Stephen King in 20 years, basically saying he's going to put out a whole bunch of horror movies and they're going to, he has comedic timing. That's awesome. And great music behind the, the, the movies and, and now great acting is what I'm hearing. And so white America is in an uproar and they're upset because um, the movie had a private premiere and it was hashtagged us first all over social media. And Us First was basically saying only black media, journalists, celebrities, actors, actresses, et cetera, were allowed 
at the screening and um, I thought it was a dope idea. Um, it kind of it kind of shows some of the things that I've been saying on on my podcast is black people can't keep complaining about the Oscars and Emmys and all these um, these um, trophy machine houses giving us things for movies that you know we feel are great. At some point, we're gonna have to do our own um, Oscars, our own Emmys, our own Grammys. And not care if we're not accepted in that society. Because as I showed before, there was 90-something percent male white voters for the majority of the wars that are given out. And this is almost like a step in that direction to say, guess what? We're going to care about what our viewers think first before we let the man come in and tell us if this is good or not. What is your opinion of that, Brent? Um, I feel like it's... What you said is true. That's what they're trying to do. Trying to get black people together and phase out caring so much about Oscar awards and, and certain awards to justify how good their movie was. And also, on a another note, it can also get a whole n- different audience, like a, a pro-black audience for sure, to come check your movie out. Which I do think it can do on the negative side is it kind of it kind of polarizes your your movie. You're going to have a a strong black showing to your movie, but you're also going to have some people that think you're trying to make this movie like a, is not for white people. And Mm. that's like, you know, I don't know if that'd be what they're trying to do, but that can happen if this blows up and it makes it like, oh, they're trying to make this us, it's, it's just for black people. And I feel like that could be a negative thing, but... The overall idea of it and having black people check it out, black writers, black critics, and things like that is 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 a good idea. Riff, what up? I'd like to to put a little asterisk in you on your monologue on there. This isn't about I think black people I think I think they're rediscovering um mm-hmm. th- th- this this mentality. It's not something that's new. It's something that's been done before. They're rediscovering it, and I think it is a healthy way to go about it. It's the way every other race um, yep. or, or minority group has fought through things. Waiting for permission or 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 a handout just doesn't come. You either got to fight for it or build it yourself. And it's been tried before, and it's been heavily suppressed. I mean, Black Wall Street was burned down, right. you know, and 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 so, but that was the right mentality, you know. Unfortunately, it was it was you know, nuked. It was, it was hit so swiftly it set people back, you know? Um, and I think the start, I don't think that's the end game. I think the start is to build your own and then you eventually mm-hmm. assimilate and, and, and integrate and get taken seriously, you know, yeah. but it, it, it usually it's, it's been shown to be effective for other minority groups, you know, that it's just got to get off the ground. Yeah. Um, I don't understand. Well, I guess I do understand why people find it polarizing. I just, it doesn't bother me that I yeah. didn't get an invite because it I'm shouldn't. not black. It I just shouldn't. don't care. Like, yeah. It just reminds me of like, when you hear a white person say, well, why can't I say the N word? And I'm like, you really want to say it that bad? I mm-hmm. dude, there is like such bigger fish to fry. You yeah. didn't get an invite to the, to the, to the premiere. premiere? That's, that's your racial injustice that you're <laughs> going to complain about right now. <laughs> It's true. I, 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 yeah. I just don't care that much. You want to go have a private party? Go have one. Like I'm not a. If if if, we, if women want to have a a book club night and 
my wife has her friends over and I'm not allowed to be there, have at it. There's sometimes I want to have poker night and I don't want you around me. It doesn't mean I think less of you as a person. You know, it's just, and so. You're just living now in the world of everybody fake caring. And outrage. And and fake outrage. So the outrage might not be real is what I'm saying. The outrage about, oh, they made it. It might not be real. They really don't. Majority of people don't care that it's a a black-only premiere or whatever, things like that. But the threat of a fake outrage because of, like I said, this era of everybody wanting to be part of a movement of trying to make everything politically correct. Now it's it's a it's a threat to like just your commercial success. That's all I'm saying. And this this shows that he doesn't care. This shows that listen, guess what? Be outraged. Don't come to the movie. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. The movie is for everyone. However, I bet and I guarantee you, he probably thought that it was maybe gonna get a harsher review because he's black, because of how well the other movie went. Yeah. He probably was just like, you know what, I don't care. I want to open this up to black and brown people and allow them to critic critique it, give me their input because we are always not invited to certain things. We're second, right? You know, to the majority of what goes out in in, in national media. So I thought it was a great thing. That's another way to look at it. Like you could get a lot of, but you might like you, that threat of that bad reviews or bad whatever. That's a that's a good idea. That's, that's yeah. Well, but here's the thing: it's not like he didn't want criticism. Right. He just wanted unbiased criticism. Right. Yeah. He yeah, wasn't sitting there saying, "I only want black and brown people here because they're going to give me a good review." Right. Nah, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you asked him heart to heart, do you want people supporting it and calling it good just because they share your skin color? He'd say no. I just don't want them. He doesn't want it on either end. I don't mm-hmm. want people hating on it. Because because of my skin color, either I, I want I got a better chance of getting an honest review from getting a, a group of un you know people that don't have conscious or unconscious biases against mm-hmm. me just because of my skin color. Yeah, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, it's sad I don't feel that left we. Out. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't feel left out either, and I am black. I thought it was a great idea. I thought that it was um, the fact that he didn't promote it. It just happened. You know, nobody was like, oh, my God, Jordan Peele's doing this thing. It just came out. And when when the hashtag was going off, everybody was doing was at the premiere when it happened. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. I thought it was good Uh, because there's also a hashtag called them first. I don't know if a lot of people know about that one. And them first is a hashtag started by black people basically saying, if you want to arrest are pedophiles and are rapists why aren't you arresting the whites it just seems like a lot of black people are being arrested for crimes that we've watched white people literally get away with day to day like day in and day out there's a black there's a guy in hollywood who two black boys have died in his home in the last year and he hasn't even been arrested and there's all types of evidence of people saying that he brings you to his house and gets you drugged up so he could have sex with you and I believe the drugs probably went, both of them overdosed, I think. And I believe that the re- only reason he's not being brought in and arrested and everything is because he's white and he's an illegal and he also donates to Trump campaign. He has a lot of money. So he's like part of the lo- uh, the lobbyist groups it, and stuff. Yeah, it, it comes down to the money. I mean, it. you know, there's, I hate to use this trope, but the poor white people have a, 
pretty fucked time fighting the the justice system as well. Mm-hmm. And this, as soon as poor white America realizes they're oh, in God. the same boat, talk to them, talk to them. Then, then, then they'll realize it's not a white versus black thing. It's a class thing, mm-hmm. rich versus poor, you know? And, and, and they, I, I just, I, I don't understand how they can't make the connection, you know, they, but they, because they, they think, they think that these illegals are talking to them. They think that when Donald Trump is calling athletes, sons of bitches, they, for some reason don't correlate that to them being a son of bitch too, because he's just basically talking about people that are getting fucked over and have something to say about it, basically. And and lower class white people should have that same energy because even though they are born white and they have privilege, they still get the shitty end of everything because of the class that they're in. I, and the prime example, I, I don't think OJ did it, but he doesn't get off if he's not rich. Nope. And they, lo- they love hating on that situation. They love bringing it up as, oh, you know... He, you know, it's racist that he never got convicted. No, any rich guy in that situation can get out of it. Okay, yeah. the very fact that they're they, they think they can get away with it is 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 a function of their of their wealth. And any poor person in that situation has a very very difficult time getting out of it. Can't even get the lawyer, and, and, <laughs> right? You mm. know, and and it's all. Oh. It's pretty sad. Uh, people see what they, people see what they want to see. I mean, mm-hmm. you got you, you got you got people on Twitter right now that are that are asking, "Well, I don't understand why the fan got got you know ejected in Utah. You know, I, I don't understand how the Utah Jazz came to came to uh, the conclusion they did and banned him from the from the arena. We're gonna, really, we're gonna, you you, yeah. you you got the time to tweet that out, but you don't have the time to make a five second search. We're gonna get into that. Raider Bounty, b- back up. Don't don't leave my show, though. Right. Don't hop okay, around sorry. topics without my permission. This is my shit, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get to Westbrook. You just slow your roll, all right? <laughs> all right. Continuing the conversation real quick. This is all non-sports stuff. I just get this off because people want me to talk about it. Jesse Smollett, did you see that he actually went to court for the trying to get the cameras removed from his trial? Now, first of all, you don't, he doesn't even have to go to this. This is not for him to appear. You remember how many times I didn't have to appear when I got arrested right. for certain things that were going on? He was not needed in court. And here he comes with his sunglasses and his hard-bottom shoes, just plopping through the, the courtroom, uh, the hallways, angry, not talking to media, like, why are you here? He wants attention? Yeah. And he <laughs> lost. They're still putting the, the cameras in the courtrooms. Yeah. And he lost, and I'm just like, what is, what is he doing? Why won't he just go sit down somewhere? You have been caught, regardless of exactly how much you've been caught with or, or what's true and what's not true, you are caught. And you should just be laying low. This is not your business. Why are you, why are you there? And the only thing I can think of is attention. Yeah, he loves attention. That's pretty much it. It was proven by his whole, the whole act that he tried to pull off is because he wanted a lot of attention. He wanted to be a part of some type of movement, naming itself the uh, light-skinned Tupac, all this type of stuff. Like No, the gay Tupac. The gay Tupac, yeah. <laughs> the gay Tupac. Like, he just, he wants attention. The and, jail doesn't give you enough attention when you get locked but up? But this was a time to have a lot of cameras on him, and he, he wanted that attention. That's clear. It's everything he does right now is for attention. So embarrassing. 
that's pretty much it for him. Rip, you got any comments on this? Yeah, I see a lot of uh, MAGA, you know, Make America Great Again, Trumpets. Their, their comments, they're using this as a, as a whataboutisms moment, you know, mm-hmm. and the funny thing I found, I mean, really only my commentary on it is people that are pro social justice aren't coming to, to this guy's defense simply because of his race. Yeah. You guys just, you guys just trashed him, you know, mm-hmm. and you're, you're like, we're not going to blindly support this guy. He, he actually hurts our cause, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and so they're like, yet, I don't know. I, I'm just, it's pretty messed up that the, the MAGA crowd still is trying, they want, they're looking for a fight here. There's no, there's no fight. The it's, guy's an idiot. It, it, is, is, it, is there opportunities him. to say, oh, we got one? But you didn't. They, they believe you know, they do. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's debating it. Right. Like, there's, there's, there's nobody to fight with. Uh, that's that's kind of my commentary on it. I, they, everybody's kind of of the same opinions. You know, so I don't know. I just feel like it's, to me, it's annoying. It's it's almost like he's trying to really act like he's innocent by showing up. He's trying to make that like, well, look, I'm innocent. Look, I'm even willing to show up to a court hearing that I don't even have to be at. You're hitting the nail on the head. That's it. He got to put it on in his face and then he gets more attention. Like this is all he wants. What an idiot. Moving on. There's no- Go ahead. Okay. I said, there's no way his attorneys are advising him to do this. It's a term called losing. Yeah, they call it losing client control. And they just kind of, that's when an attorney just puts their hands up and says, well, the checks are clearing. I don't know. What am I going to do? Fuck it. It happens. It happens. Mm -mm. A-Rod proposed, popped the question to J-Lo. She said yes. Um, She is officially... One ring from being in the the goat discussion. <laughs> One more, and we have to compare her to Jordan and Tom Brady. One more. This is number right, five. Right, this is the right. biggest, the clearest, the baddest ring I've ever seen. I mean, it wasn't a surprise to me. These two have been all over social media, all over each other, having a good time, and seems like they've been best friends their whole life. Probably was fucking on in back in the day. You never know. People, you know, have fun. But the funny and interesting part about this entire thing is Jose Canseco. Did you guys hear about what he's saying? <laughs> Another guy oh, that yeah. loves attention. <laughs> Here we go. Canseco says oh. A-Rod is smashing his ex. Now it's Smashing Canseco's ex or A-Rod's ex? What do you mean? He's smashing his own ex. Oh, okay. okay gotcha. And the funny part about all of this is the girl has come forward and said it's not true. Now, does that mean it's not true? No, not no. at all. Doesn't mean it's not true. The reason I brought this up is because I want to ask both of you guys this question because this happened to me in high school. I was at a, a pool party with my friends and um, it was way far away from my house. So not like a local pool party where I would run into my other friends. So I was at this pool party and as soon as I got there, I saw my best friend's boyfriend in a pool and his ex-girlfriend was straddling him. Okay. They was slobbing each other down. Get she's he's sitting on the steps. She straddled him and they kissing, making out, having, just living their best life, pretty much. And I walk in, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" You know. And so when I leave the party, I call my best friend and I tell her what I saw. None of your business. No, she was angry. She was upset. 
she was like, oh, it's on. I'm going to break it. I'm going to break up with him and blah, blah, blah. When she finally got to him, he said, wasn't me. That's why I said it's none of your business because you're in a lose-lose. And I bet she got mad at you afterwards. We've not spoken since, really. Look at that. <laughs> that was in Look high school. Look at that. Yeah. They're still married. They're still together. Yeah. Everything to this day. Yeah. And she never talked to me again because he told her not to talk to me. Right. It's none of your business. Because I was lying on him and she had to pretty much make a choice. Keep in mind, my boyfriend at that time was her brother. Yeah. So I learned a long time ago, uh, I didn't see nothing. I didn't hear nothing. I don't know anything. Why is Jose Canseco running his mouth, even if this is true? Who's going to believe it, first of all? And is J-Lo really going to say, no, I'm not going to marry him? No, Jose Canseco loves attention. His name has not been in the news a lot lately, and this Mm -hmm. is a way to get it in there. Simple. There's no other reason he would do that. Do you think that's just going to put a halt on the wedding or the engagement because he said said something like that? He's got a reason. What is that Um, reason? I don't disagree with Brent in that it's a lose-lose situation. I've, I've been in it. You know, I, I did worse than, than Nico. I, you know, confronted my brother about the girl he was about to marry. And Damn. we haven't spoke. We haven't spoken in about 10 years. Jeez. And uh, yeah. everything I predicted has come true. I what mean, happened? she's, she, oh, she cheats on him constantly flying to Brazil all the time. And, and, uh, what's in you know, Brazil? The guy who's paying for her to, to go on vacations with her? He lives in Brazil? No, but he goes down there. Oh, Jesus. She lives. Yeah, and, and your brother's still with her? Still with her for the kids. Mm. And, and you know, I, I mean, we could go on that topic, but I, you know, I, I say to him, I said, you know, you, you need to show your children the best version of you. And you walking around with this pain knowing, you know, you're, you're part of you staying together with her because... You don't want me to be right. I'm already right. I called it 10 years ago. Now you're just, you, you're not showing your children the man you're supposed to be. And, and and granted, you think that staying together for, you know, is showing them what a relationship's supposed to be. This ain't it, dude. But whatever, it. you know, you do you. They, they were very upset with me early on, though, because everybody in, in the community knew what was going to happen, what was going on, and what this girl was about. I didn't feel comfortable him being you know, my closest actual blood relative knowing all this stuff and not saying something to him. How can I call myself your brother and, and just let this go on? I thought I was was being a real friend and saying, Hey man, you're going down a gnarly path. Oh man. I mean, I got, I got basically taken out of the wedding and and everything else. And you know, it it is a lose lose situation, but in the, in the case of A-Rod and Conseco, here's the interesting thing about Jose Conseco. He's never been caught in a lie. I was listening to the Dan Patrick show the very, very first time he came on and exposed steroids in baseball. And it was like, oh, what is A-Rod? What is he taught? You know, everybody's reaction was, this is Jose looking for attention. He's a moron. You know, he doesn't, he's not very articulate. Um, he doesn't deliver the message very well. But I'm sitting there listening to it going, man, it really does make sense. He's obviously got makes sense. Right? He's mad because they blackballed him out of the Hall of Fame. So he's got an agenda, but that doesn't mean he's not telling the truth. Right. And the more people denied it, the more he kept saying, okay, now I'm going to start naming names because you guys are smearing me. Y'all playing me. And then he started naming A-Rod and he started, and A-Rod came after him in the press. Well, in the end, 
A-Rod maybe won the court of public opinion because A-Rod's slightly more likable than, than Jose. In the end, pe- people still don't like Jose Canseco, but he didn't tell a lie about A-Rod. A-Rod was juicing. So you think it's the truth, so this J-Lo thing? I definitely, him, I definitely think it's the truth. Cheating on her? I, I, yeah, because well, his motive is to – he's still bit bitter that everybody believed A-Rod initially, and it's all gotten lost in the shuffle over time. But he was telling the truth, and he, he's got this axe to grind with A-Rod because A-Rod publicly you know, attacked Jose's credibility and, and, and sort of pseudo-won the battle and, and, or the argument. And so now he's looking at this opportunity to dig at him again. I, I just – I don't pick – Jose may be a lot of things. I mean he's a snitch. He, he, he's an attention whore. Doesn't mean he's not telling the truth. And he hasn't been caught in a lie yet. I'm not so, – I'm not saying he's not telling the truth, but I don't think it matters if it's the truth or not. And I don't think anything's going to change. And I think it's just an attention grab. I got one question for you, though, Brent, before we get off this A-Rod uh, topic. If you found out AJ or Rob's girl was cheating on them, would you tell them? Since you over here talking about it's none of your business. Yeah. Those are your niggas. Those are your boys. Yeah, Would you I tell feel one you. of them? I feel you. I, I think in that situation, like... Let me it, hear it, because you're telling me it's none homie, of my business. It is. It is. Like, I'll double talk right now. I'll double talk right now. Oh, okay. Let me, let so, me hear so it So, I feel like you can tell, but you got to accept that you might lose your friend. Like, because Adam, just your integrity might, just being a good friend, you might just be like, look, man, I saw what I saw. You could take it as is. You could confront her. But you got to know that worst come to worst, if this is a girl they want to marry or serious girlfriend or guy they want to marry that you might lose that friend over that mm-hmm. and you got to be willing to take that chance yes yeah see, i wasn't ready i didn't know that was gonna happen you just gotta really know thought, that going in that's yeah, all i'm saying i was in high school and yeah. i just thought i was gonna tell my best friend and she was gonna be like screw you because the guy before that the guy who she you know who she dumped to get with this guy yeah lawrence phillips yeah okay get it yeah Ooh. Yeah, that's I got a lot of stories where we have to talk about that another time. But yeah, she was with Lawrence Phillips first, dumped him to get with this guy, and this guy Lawrence used to beat on her, and now this guy's cheating on her. Surprise. So it was, it was rough in high school for us, but whatever. Uh, Conor McGregor just bailed out again. Um, he was in Miami, minding his business, living his best life on the beach in some little speedos, and some guy came up and kept trying to take pictures and videos of him on the beach. Fountain Blue Hotel. He took the dude's phone, like like manhandled it from him out of his hand and smashed it into smithereens. And he got arrested for that. $12,000 bail. Yeah. And yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it sounds like the right thing to do and I understand, you can't mm-hmm. do that. He just finished his community service for the bus incident. Remember, he just tried to attack old boy on the bus and everything. He just got off of the probation for that and finished his community service. And now he's just trying to lay out on the beach and get get a tan, get a ginger tan. And then, boom, some dude is harassing him. And I feel like I don't know what happened. They, They have surveillance footage. They said they will be releasing the footage, but they have to wait uh, 21 days or something like that before they release it. But. I have a feeling this is gonna, this is how this is going to go. He's going to be minding his business. Some dude's going to keep harassing him. He's going to get up and charge the dude. I, I want to see if he like like really put his hands on him or flipped him or kicked him or anything. Yeah. Because when his lawyer went to court, he basically said, okay, what's this going to cost us? Right. 
Because he, he know he wrong. It. He probably just the dude. He probably said, "Hey, stop taking pictures." And the dude said, "I had a right to take these pictures. It's my right." And you know, a guy that been getting punched in his head for a living, and you know, they're gonna have a short fuse. He snapped. <laughs> <laughs> and he flipped and smashed his fucking phone. You know, he can't. It's, it's nothing more than that. But $12,000 bail? Yeah, that's just, just how uh, it goes. Seems extreme. Riff, what do you got on this? I'm a big McGregor fan, so don't yeah, think me too. anybody listening that there's a, there's, a, there's a bias against him. You know, vacuum, I'm, I'm in agreement to both of you. Much ado about nothing. You know, the celebrities should be allowed to do this more often. You know, I, I agree. I, I think it's... Uh, they're, they're, they get fed up and McGregor by and large is really good to his fans. Yep. Always has been. Um, and has, and their stories of the, t- the tolerance he has when they're being obnoxious is, mm-hmm. is quite high. Um, you never hear I'm about that. Though. No, right. Uh, the thing I'm looking at is, and then here's, here's something, this is going to be like the Derek Carr offensive line situation. Mark my words. Remember this. This is John Jones 2.0. Oh. There is a there is a lot of smoke regarding Conor McGregor. There's no evidence of a fire, but when it's all said and done, his 30-30 is going to be is going to going to have some ugly stuff in it. And there's a lot of nasty rumors going around that that his he's way out of control. And in what as, in what area like drugs? Yeah, the drugs and the women and the stuff like that. And it's not that he can't get his life back. It's not that he's an elite athlete, just like John Jones. And John Jones has proven you can fall off, and they're so gifted, they can get it back. Climb right back to the That's, top. Yeah, and I'm not saying Connor can't because he, he he's that gifted. But right now, he's doing major damage to his legacy. He's not the best version of himself. And and there's always this there's these stages of it. There's... The people on the inside, the media, they're hearing rumors, but they can't go public about it. Mm-hmm. Then there's these little incidents like this. And then when it all becomes public knowledge, it's, oh, yeah, we knew all along John Jones was messing up. No, we didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he was Nike's boy. He I was, knew he was. He was a media darling. The only reason but we knew he was is because we were hanging out with him. We were spending time with him. We have mutual friends. Right, but it wasn't public knowledge. Right. You were kind of on the inside, but you couldn't really go public with it. The media and, and the MMA can't go public with it. Right. We're at that stage with McGregor. It ain't just haters spreading false lies. There's a lot of smoke. There's some. I've been told by people in the MMA media, yes, there's truth to it, but we're not going to come forward. We're going to let this thing implode on its own because, by and large, most people like Connor. Even the media that are hearing this stuff, they're more disappointed they don't mm-hmm. want to see him go down that path. They don't want to ruin him. He's a likable, charismatic guy, even when he's messing up, you know. Yeah. And so people's pe- people's champ. He just seems like, is, but, yeah. I like that. You know, even in 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 loss, he's humble. He's still like a really nice guy, even when he loses. You know, you know, you always think the asshole is always the asshole because he does play an asshole. You know, cocky, right? Kind of got that right. that Ric Flair kind of you know attitude and mentality, but. Even when he loses, he's humble. He shakes the guy's hands. Like, he, he's not a piece of shit when he loses. So that's why it's hard for me to even hate him. I can't. I can't hate him. I, I love him. I love everything about him, his personality. He's got that short fuse. He just needs to be careful not to beat nobody's ass because, I mean, you're a, you're a fucking UFC fighter. You got to chill out. Well, there's, been, there's rumors of him been doing that quite a bit over in Ireland. Oh, my God. Ireland. Jeeps. You're going to get know. it. He he need to be careful though, just in case somebody's with the shits and shoot his ass or something. He might 
You know, hands are no True. good when there's a weapon involved. Yeah. Well, he beat up that Irish mobster. Yeah. There's a reported there was a one million dollar bounty on his head, and he had to pay that off allegedly. That's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a lot of these incidents where initially it's are they really happening or not, or is these people making it up? And and I've been told on pretty good authority that no, it's 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 worse. It's where it's worse than you're than than even this, the the rumors you're hearing. Yeah, which is sad because I, I like excellence. I mm-hmm. gravitate. I don't see how you can't. I, I liked watching Lance Armstrong. I liked watching Michael Jordan. I, I like watching Conor McGregor. I'm not saying he's the Michael Jordan of MMA, but he's 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 excellence. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's uh, I want to see them at their max, not eighty mm-hmm. percent of themselves. Man. All right. So before we get into all this free agency talk, we have to talk a little bit of basketball because there's some drama there too. There's less than thirty days before the playoffs start. And there's a lot of shifting going on in, in roster in um, positionings for the, the 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 seating, so it's not really important to talk about who's going to play who yet because there's mm-hmm. a lot of shifting going on. But there's a lot of shenanigans as well, and so we're going to start off with um, Lou Williams. Uh, he breaks a record for most points off the bench, uh, just past Dale Curry with eleven thousand one hundred and forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Will is more famous, in my opinion, for having two girlfriends at the same time. What? You didn't know about that? No. Oh my God, he had a, two girlfriends for a long time, openly, like they were open, honest about it. Drake even talked about it in his, a couple of songs. Yeah, Lou Will has had well, they broke up eventually, but he had two girlfriends for a long time, lived together. It was great. They were all over social media together, having a good time and everything. Ooh. And all while this was going on, this motherfucker was getting buckets. Yeah. That's what I don't think well, he does and people that know basketball well, but just I don't think like the average fan knows how much of a bucket Lou Williams is. Mm-hmm. Like he's like instant offense, like can do it all, can score like three, drive, pull ups, handles, like he's just an offensive threat all around. And I don't think he gets the respect he deserves to me. Riff, what's up? What's up? Chime in. You, know? you want me to call your name every time? <laughs> I agree with Brent on that. I just want to let him finish his thoughts. Oh. Um, I have a tendency to step on people. But, uh, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think th- that type of player in general is really underrated um, and underutilized in the NBA because they don't sell jerseys. You know, and, and general managers that they get pulled in a lot of directions. There's, there's, you know, there's winning in the in the uh, record column, and then there's winning financially. And not every owner cares about winning in the record column. And exactly, you know, that's why guys like guys like Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford, and you know, guys like that, they they bounce around the league. When you sit there and you look at it, and you go, man, who wouldn't want that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, another one of those types of players. Um, is like Darren Sproles. How's that guy ever been on multiple teams? Yeah. You know that this should be what every team's looking for. So you know, it's uh, like I said, I agree with with everything Brent said on that. I think that the reason Pete, he doesn't get the credit is obviously he's one of those guys that came out of high school, and instantly at that time when you were coming out of high school, you were frowned upon. People people put pressure on you. Yeah, they got upset. He wasn't. What they thought when he came out of the, out in high school, he was right. drafted by the Sixers, but then he went to the D League. Yeah, had to like I don't know what that what was going on with that, but he had to work his way back into the NBA. And since then, 
He has um, he's won the Sixth Man of the uh, the Year Award twice. He won in 2015 and 18. Um, what else did he do? Um, he's only 32 years old, but he's small, 6'1", 175. And what I learned about him is he's never been an all-star. That's the first thing. And the second thing is Bubba Chuck, Allen Iverson, is the person that groomed him, that yeah. pretty much like helped him and taught him. And he does play like him. Yeah. He plays just like him. He's just not him. Not and, exactly. and, and for some reason, he doesn't get – the credit he deserves because a lot of the teams he's been on at when they were on when he was on the team they weren't great but the Clippers right now they're in the seventh seed yeah they're in the playoffs right now yeah so I feel like with having him on the roster um, they got a shot they they the Clippers don't look awful obviously no they're not coming out of the West yeah. but I think that the Clippers look good he's looking good the question I want to ask you Brent um, if you had a choice between him and Jamal Crawford who would you pick? Because, you know, before Dale Curry, he passed Jamal Crawford as most points mm. off the bench. So it, that's the order. And and there's only been three. Like right now, Jamal Crawford? Right now. I'm taking. He's older, a little bit yeah, older I'm than him. Yeah, I'm taking Lou Williams. So in their prime, you would take Crawford? Yeah, I'd probably take Jamal Crawford. Why? Is there a reason? I think he's even more of a bucket. See, most people don't think that. Most people said is that Jamal Crawford was had a better handle. And some people compared his defense in his prime, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Jamal Crawford go off for 50 a few times. Mm-hmm. And I do think Lou Williams is a like unbelievable scorer, so it's like for like. But mm-hmm. I've just seen like multiple 50 points on, on people from Jamal Crawford, so that's why I would just go for him. And that's what I'm getting them for, score. It ain't like they're – Locking people down on the other end or something like that. It's just about scoring the ball. Getting the bucket. Yeah, so I'm going Jamal Crawford. He's most definitely a bucket. Uh-uh-uh. Moving on. Uh, there's a little bit of, of of smoke behind Magic and Genie Bus with the Lakers, and people are trying to basically say, and I don't know why. I can only imagine it's because people are maybe trying to come to the defense of LeBron. Mm-hmm. But people have been on Magic's head saying maybe he should be fired because of the moves he's making as at GM, questionable moves like um, not refusing to take calls for Zebo or Brooke Lopez, uh, getting rid of D'Angelo Russell, Zubek, uh, Julius Randle, offering the entire team for a broken up Antonio Davis, mm-hmm. uh, Antonio Anthony Davis, and so people are basically saying. If you're going to be magic and you're going to say Luke Walton's job is not safe, when are we going to figure out that he has put together an awful team in the last couple of years? He has. <laughs> in my eyes, he has. This team that he has together, I, either I feel like they were just taking this year to see what happens and just banking heavy on this next not, year. Not just this year, the last couple of years. Yeah, but they were. They felt like Lonzo Ball was going to be really good. I don't, you know, and he's – decent but he's made some bad moves and now this was a year to like you got LeBron so this was supposed to carry him through but I don't think they put together a team that works with LeBron like they said LeBron was going to play a different way all of a sudden and, and that's the not same thing he's going to have to do the same thing he's going to control the ball he's the same player his whole career so with LeBron you may be able to do other stuff in the games that don't matter but when the going gets tough LeBron's going to have the ball and you need to put some shooters around him. And as a GM, you should have known that and at least got a couple of shooters. No shooters at all. They have none. None. They got some decent guys that can be 
like make some shots, but they need some snipers, like, and they don't have any. And and I think that's the problem. And no legit number two that can take the load off of LeBron sometime. And that's the formula for a LeBron LeBron led team. Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise about how this how this has gone out. You know, I mean, we we sat in your living room and talked about this last year, and and basically called it out. You know, the way it was going to go. And, and shooters like that are in short supply because everybody now knows the formula. Right. And 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 the and the Lakers were still trying to get big men down low just a short few short years ago. You know, they're they're way behind on this and they're way behind in their analytics department. Not that I'm a huge fan of analytics, but it's it's part of the the fabric of building a team now. Mm-hmm. Their biggest issue is, you know, and I agree with Brent that, you know, Magic inherited quite a dumpster fire with Jim with yeah. you know, what Jim Buss gave him. And it's gonna take some time for him to, 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 to kind of fix that. But there's a big there's a big uh, conflict in philosophy, you know, and there's one of the strong rumors is Magic didn't want to draft Lonzo. And I like yeah. Lonzo. I think he's a good player. But if your owner, Jeannie Buss, forces it to happen, I don't know if I can hold Magic accountable okay. for how the dominoes have fallen after that. You either got to let the GM do their job and let him fail or succeed on, on his own. Or then you, or you, or you got to be in lockstep with them, but you can't have conflicting philosophies. Your GM and your coach need to be lined up. Your your GM and your owner either need to be lined up, or the owner needs to stay out of the way. And Jeannie Buss doesn't. I don't know <laughs> what makes her think she knows how to build a basketball team. But she's, if she does, she's related to her dad. If she does, <laughs> Pretty much goes back she to one of the first DNA. topics of the show. Yeah, and, and her dad just hired Jerry West and let him do his job. So, yeah. you know, and, and and made sure people got along. So if she's in there meddling, you know, that's that's the root root issue right there. You know, because I whether they go, you know, the LeBron method is proven to win. If you're going to go that way and get a bunch of shooters, then do it. If you're going to go the other way with the way they were building that team, then do go that way and never bring LeBron Don't in. Don't bring him at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know. Speaking of not bringing so, him in. What was it? What's the short one? Stan, the skinny one. Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. Is that the skinny one. Yeah. Jeff Van. Gundy. Jeff, Jeff. Jeff. Stan is the, the Mario chubbier Kart one. Mario. Mario Kart. Yeah. yeah. Jeff said that they should trade the late trade LeBron. Yeah. It could get a lot for him. He had this whole scenario talking about the team was rebuilding. They had nothing on the team, so they should get rid of LeBron. I think it's the dumbest thing I've I've heard a take on LeBron and the Lakers the whole season because he didn't sign a one-year deal. He signed a four-year deal. That's the longest deal he signed with anybody. Mm-hmm. He's obviously there for the long run. This right. isn't a short-term thing. Even if this is a rebuild year, this is not – you don't, like, knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, we're getting rid of LeBron. What do you have after that then? You still don't have anything. Who what, are you going to get? <laughs> what, what, what his take would it have to be is he's saying – LeBron's only going to last for so long. The other teams are getting better. No, he's got to trade them this year. Yeah, but he's saying, like, he's looking in the future saying, this ain't going to work. That's what he's saying right it now. It hasn't even made – they haven't even attempted to make it work. Yeah, it's, he's just going in the future. Like, this is not going to work. He's saying blow this up and rebuild the Lakers. Do I agree? No. I feel like this next free agency period is huge for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. They have to do a whole bunch of different things. 
Yeah, like they got to restructure this team somehow to work with LeBron, and you need a, a, a legit number two. And I don't think that's Brandon Ingram. At all. So they need a legit number two, and they need shooters, and then they can talk then. I, I don't necessarily think it's dumb. I just think it, you got to blow it up one way or the other. You, you, you got to either commit to LeBron or they you got to commit to a different A four-year deal means you basketball. committed to LeBron. So that's what I'm saying. They, but they, haven't, put the, they, they haven't put the pieces around them. They were and, hoping – I'm not bad you for know. cutting you out, but I think they really were just hoping LeBron being LeBron was going to will them to do some good things this year. But this year, I feel like, in my mind, the Lakers thought this was like a throwaway year. Whatever yeah, happened with this, this was year. Not, this is a building year. Whatever happened with this year was a bonus. If they would have went to the playoffs, maybe great. won this series, great. That would have just built, built momentum to fan base and all that stuff for this year coming up where they could do some things in free agency. Now, if they blow this next year, then that, that's a problem. Hey, but, but, and if that's the route they're going to take, drop the ego and just say that's what we're doing. They like, can't, they they can't do, do that. Not in L.A. Not in L.A. and <laughs> not with LeBron. They're so paralyzed by their image of, right. you know, we're the Lakers and we need to be battling for a championship every year. They're letting it hold them hostage and well, since we're not winning a championship right now, we're gonna blow. One of the possibilities is blowing up the LeBron thing. Like you're saying, they haven't even given it a chance. They needed time to build. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just gotta come clean and say, "Hey, this is year one of four. We right. never thought we were." You know, and they don't want to do that. That's them. almost they like saying, "Don't buy any it. tickets." That's equivalent yeah. to saying, "Hey guys, don't buy any tickets." This is still a business. Don't buy any jerseys. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying publicly they have to, to come out and say that. But privately, they're buckling under this pressure. Yeah, they're allowing privately, it to buckle them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's get on out of here. Westbrook. So Westbrook, um, the latest Hooper to have drama in Utah. There is always some shit going on with the Utah Jazz fans. A lot of racial things have been happening. Um, everybody knows Utah is the Mormon state. Mm-hmm. And um, you would consider, if you if you hear that, there's there's a you would think racist. Yeah. You would think I don't like black people even though they have a, an NBA team there full of black people that right. they support wholeheartedly. They buy right. all their tickets. They show up to the game. So Westbrook uh was on the on the bench and uh a fan was harassing him, heckling him, and the the, the harassment continued into racial slurs and also um, the guy was telling him to get down on his knees where he belongs, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Russell responded and told him he would fuck him and his wife up. Right. Now, the fan has been um, um, eject. He was ejected from the from the stadium and, and asked to never come back. He's been banned from the arena forever. Right. Uh, Westbrook got twenty five thousand dollar fine for his reaction and for saying he would fuck the guy up and his wife. Um, who's wrong? Who Griff? Who's wrong right now? The the fan. I, I put zero zero wrong on Russell Westbrook. I agree. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> okay. So this is what fans and media do not understand. Russell Westbrook is rewarded and paid very handsomely for operating in a near primal emotional state when out on the basketball court. You do not get to the level that play at the intensity he does by being super. Uh, uh, conscious of your surroundings. What's that? Super passive, any of that. Yeah, no, you you are are a cheetah on the hunt. Cheetahs aren't thinking, they're reacting. And and, and 
in that environment, somebody comes and says, if you're walking down the street and somebody says something racist to you, you're going to have an, a normal human emotional reaction. Now you take Russell Westbrook in an already heightened emotional state and somebody makes a racist comment towards him. He is going to come unglued. And at that point, I would absolve Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, if he goes into the stands and beats the guy's ass. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, all bets are off. He's going to have a natural human reaction. And it doesn't mean it's rational. It doesn't mean it's well thought out. It doesn't, but it doesn't mean it's wrong either. We are human. We are allowed to get angry. We are allowed to have uh, justified reactions to certain situations. Um, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I tried pulling a guy out of his car. I tried pulling a guy out of his car the other day because he called my wife a bitch. Okay. Moment, okay. I saw all at that moment. I saw was red. There's no reason to say that to her. He'd been harassing her for a week. And then Mm -hmm. he goes and says that to her unprovoked. You know what? You're asking to get popped. Now, in a vacuum, should I be trying to do that? No. Would I end up in jail if there was enough witnesses and the guy presses charges? Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. But 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 – you're, you go spit in somebody's face, they're going to react. You go get, you do, you abuse somebody's child, they're going to have a reaction. It's called a crime of passion, and it's not really a crime. So Pe- I, zero blame on Russ. People are trying to get come down on me because I, they were like, you don't even think he's wrong for saying he was going to fuck his wife up? And I said, no. I said, because to be honest with you, there's two reasons that I don't care. One of them is because I personally think that his wife was probably saying stuff too. She was probably egging her husband on, probably like hyping him up to get him to say stuff. And the second thing is whenever somebody, this is what people don't understand. If you say something to me that's disrespectful, how I respond, there's no level like, oh, you can't go that far. So if somebody called me a nigger or told me to suck their dick or something like that, I would probably say something about their wife too if she was right there. That's just how it goes when you shit talking, when it's going back and forth. Whoever's with you can get it, mm-hmm. including your bitch. It, it's not a sporting event. Yeah. It's not meant to be fair. Yeah. You start shit with somebody and you are in the wrong. I'm hitting the nuke button. I'm not there to have this fair fight and like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to stand up. I'm looking for something to grab. I'm looking to put you on your knees. Like they, they, there's, there's not, it's not about like any like honor system or, or, or weird <laughs> stupid fighting the arguing the right way. <laughs> right. Like you crossed a line. All bets are off. I'm coming for blood. Don't go there. You know, there's, 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 I don't even have a problem with fans heckling. You make racist remarks. All bets are off. Dude, you right. have just ignited the powder keg, especially in today's environment. Right. And, and this guy has been harassing yes. Westbrook for a long time. A long time. They pulled up his tweets. Twitter. Imagine, imagine. He tried to delete his tweets, Brent, but everybody caught him and pulled him up. He's been he's been making racist remarks, telling him to go back to Africa, yeah. threatening him, making threats to him mm-hmm. for a while now. Imagine you're Russ Westbrook, and you got these things coming in on your Twitter feed, and then he and then buys sudden, tickets right behind the bench of the he Thunder. Went there with the intent of this, and then yeah. I'll get to this. You've been getting these threats and these racist comments, which are you know already going to make somebody a little upset you look up and somebody's telling you to get down on your knees and you realize it's the guy that's already been attacking you for weeks yeah oh, i mean i can only imagine he 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 wasn't russ wasn't 
thinking rationally at that point. He, the, the, the switch was on. This is just like all sports and the way this is. Sports is a business. The fans are the consumer. The sports, the teams, the, the organizations are trying to appeal to the consumer. So they allow fans to do things like this. And they know that the player is going to get fined. They know the player is going to get in trouble. So they might, they, they could get off all this crazy shit that they be saying. Like type of, this type of shit happens all the time. Like I'm, I got shit talk, but you know I'm a different person. I'll be laughing. I'll say something back. But some people fucking spaz, and that's a, a legit. Like y'all both said, that's a legit human reaction. And I, I wish it was. It was not a problem to 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 go at fans like that. And then I promise you, less of it would happen. Mm-hmm. But the, if they the, thought they can get their ass whooped, if they thought shit could happen for real, less shit would happen. People tend to chill when it's a threat of getting their ass whooped or harm being done to them. But this is a business at the end of the day, and the fan, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, none of them want that on their watch. So they have to play both sides. I believe the NBA feels like. Russ did the right thing. Like, he's not all the way in the wrong. They but, shouldn't have fined him. But they feel like they had to do it because they don't want to set an example, which is whack, that players can spaz on fans. And that is their consumer, and that's who's making money for them. So they're basically like, we're going to slap you on the wrist, Russ, yeah. so we have to do this yes. just so that we can show our fans that we're not completely on their side. Right. right. But we still got y'all back, too, y'all but we're going to kick him out. still come and still heckle. But we, we, you know, we need you to tone that shit down. Yeah, that's all that was. Heckling's part of it. I mean, there's nobody more fun to get ready for a game than Philip Rivers. He did that. He got he would come over to the black hole and he would would go back and forth with the fans. Yeah. And we would we would spend days preparing our material to try and get <laughs> right. him to crap, you, know, you know to to say some pretty mean stuff to him, but it ain't racially motivated. But if we could get him to kind of grin or laugh, you know, we knew we got him good. But you know, he would come back, and it, it was it was great back and forth, and it really was part of the experience, and it got him going before the game, and it, and, and it was fun. But this guy, and this is what I can't figure out: if you hate black people that much, what? You're gonna save why up you your money. To the game? Yeah. Why are you Why are you supporting yeah, I, them? Why I don't I don't I don't get that. It just it just it just there's so much better ways to spend your time. Like uh, it, there was a little bit of fun back and forth between us and Philip Rivers. You know, like, I, it, yeah. it's just different. You know, this is and, not and, the same. and so I have a question for Brent. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's NFL fans that have crossed the line. Which fan base, in your opinion, or in in your amongst your peers? is the one you guys kind of dread for crossing the line the most. Who talks the most shit? Buffalo's bad. Who said the most racist stuff? Who's the Utah Jazz fan of the NFL? I mean, I haven't got racist stuff. All of them are. But I feel like, (laughs) yeah, they all talk shit to everybody. But I heard the most shit talk out of Buffalo. And I heard a lot in Seattle. But it was more like, like what you're saying in Oakland, like, I was going back and forth with them. I was having fun with it. They would keep talking shit. I would say some shit back, but I right, never right. got I like. I think Buffalo wins. They do. They do the most awful, horrible things. Yeah. It's because they're miserable. Buffalo's they're all the way in Canada, city. claiming to be Americans. I haven't. You said. I played in Oakland, but I didn't get get much in Oakland. But they they were extremely high. But maybe the team wasn't. The team was terrible at the time, so maybe that was the problem. 
Well, Nico, you, you sit in the stands. Mm-hmm. Which which fan base have you, you know, away, when you're at the away games, have you felt the, the most? Um, oh, absolutely. Buffalo. And the second place yeah. for me would be um, New Orleans Saints fans. Um, really? Yeah, I had a fight in that stadium. Buffalo, I have a fight every single time. Every time I've gotten kicked out. I've swung on people. They've swung on me. Somebody hit me in my head with a cardboard sign. One time they've thrown beer at me at the home. That's when I got arrested. The day I got arrested, that I thought that was Buffalo Bills fans fighting me. I didn't even know it was the cops because they charged me from behind. And I had just some Bills fans had just thrown some beer on me when I was trying to enter the stadium. And that was the reason I called the Dolphins uh, head of security and said, I need some help getting in the game. These fucking Bills fans are, are you know, attacking me. And, and granted, it was valid because I do call Buffalo the armpit of America. Mm-hmm. So they were upset about that. But, yeah, I think Buffalo is the worst because they're in Canada and they're miserable. And it, the sun only comes out like 60 days a year there, it <laughs> seems like. So those people are angry. But back to this loser, uh, Shane Kiesler. He he was eight-year military vet and 17-year highway patrolman. Says a lot. Says a whole lot. Says a whole lot. And uh, he's, a MAGA, he's a MAGA lover. Racist, I'm sure, but... I, I think it's strange that um, people are trying to vilify players that react. They're like, you're paid a certain amount of money to be disrespected. We are allowed to disrespect you if you make this much money to bounce a ball. Get the fuck out of here. You need thicker skin. You know, and this is like, get the hell out of here. Nobody's getting paid to be disrespected. They're paid to play a sport and to entertain. That's it. It doesn't come with disrespect. Yeah. You know, and no one says anything about uh, James Dolan, the um, the owner of the Knicks. He was walking out of a stadium and a fan said, sell the team. And he kicked him out forever. Just said, sell the team. Yeah. Kicked him out. You're done. Yeah, the James Dolan dude is, he's creating a, I feel bad for Knicks fans. Uh, New York is like a, a basketball, you know, quotations mecca. They've done like nothing to win. Start. But it seems like nobody would want to go there. Their owner got a bad rep. It hasn't been good in so long. Like, why Why would somebody want to sign with the Knicks? And I feel like, you know, they got uh, a fan base that loves them, but I just don't see good things happening. Whatever. Um, football. You guys want to talk some football? Yeah. Finally. <laughs> the league year began today, and it kicked off with a bang. So many movements, transitions, shifting. But before we get into that, we have to talk about Kyler Murray having um, his pro day. And just like everyone else, he threw the ball incredibly well for not having any defense on him. Right. They are hyping this man up about how accurately he threw the ball with no defense on him. Yeah, like They have years of film of him playing with defense on them. But for some reason, this pro day was like – the shit. All right, about it. Please tell me why we care about a pro day where there's no real football happening. Why is it such a big deal? I hate these pro days. I, I mean, I guess they're good to get an up close look at the guy for, for, for past injury concerns or things like that. But if you can't look at the film and tell what this guy's about, I, I, I don't, you shouldn't even have the job. Right. I, you know, and, and, the thing with Kyler Murray, because I've had quite, you know, obviously the Raiders are looking at him, and so I, I get a lot of fans asking me, you know, what my take on it is. You know, they're hoping I'm going to trash the kid because I, you know, dump all over Derek Carr. 
and and I, I sometimes I wonder they 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 read all my tweets, but are you digesting any of it? Because the things that make a quarterback successful and Brent can you know correct me where I'm wrong have nothing to do with the critiques people have over over Kyler Murray. You know, right. I, I'm looking. I, I want to see: is the guy accurate? Does he have a good pocket presence? He doesn't have to be overly mobile, but can he move around in the pocket? Um, is he a leader? Is he and is he clutch? You know that that those are the, those are like really the four major things of the prerequisites that you have to have to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't say anything about being a certain height, coming from a certain university, a certain skin color, a certain throwing motion. Like there, but the the four major things, four or five major things that every quarterback that's won a Super Bowl has had are those traits. So ask me if they have those traits. And I'll tell you if they can play in this league or not. Now, depending on what team they go to, that could, you know, really hurt the guy's development. But mm-hmm. it's 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 really anytime you're trying to problem solve in life, and you start to make compromises that are irrational, you're not going to problem solve very well. And that is why the quarterback position seems so difficult to fill, despite this massive quarterback education system we have called the high school and college football. Is they have these requisites? Well, we want to be a certain height. That's a compromise. We want him to be a certain skin color. We want him to talk a certain way. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with playing play football. football. Right. Yeah. So I feel sorry yeah. for the kid, honestly, because somebody's telling him the wrong thing. There's no way I would have taken the the baseball <laughs> contract personally. Right. That's just me being a wife and uh, married to a player and seeing the things that they go through, especially a black quarterback in this league. I think everybody saw um, Mahomes and felt like, oh, you know, it's cool to be a black quarterback again. But the minute you mess up, everything's magnified. Mm-hmm. The minute he makes one mistake, it's magnified. And they, they blast it as opposed to black, white quarterbacks who, if they make mistakes, they cover it. They mask it. So you have to deal with a lot being a quarterback in this league. And now the attack on him is his size and all that kind of stuff. I don't care. Can he play football? Mm-hmm. And a pro day is not going to tell me if he can play football. You should have cut the film on, and then once he's drafted, then you got to just go see him in real life action because that pro day does nothing for me. It's a waste of time. It's just a workout. Just a, a damn workout with no pads, no defense, no no real life game time elements or moments. Riff hit it on the head. It shows that the people are doing this and that really care about this stuff don't know what they're doing because if you got four years three years two years of film of them playing actual football and you're putting such emphasis on pro days then that's insane it happens in no other sport none absolutely none so there was a lot of movement um we are not going to talk about everybody we're going to talk about the the meat of them all but Devontae parker stayed with the dolphins Mm -hmm. crazy uh sweezy to the seahawks mark ingram is to the ravens i heard that uh, the Bills signed uh, Cole Beasley, okay. four years, $29 million. Anthony Barr went to the Vikings, five years, $67 million, 33 guaranteed. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, our homies, Deshaun Jackson, went back to Philly. Oh, yeah. He's happy. And then Quan is in San Francisco. Yeah. I was That's another friend that. of ours. Yeah, that kind of surprised me as well. But a lot of movement going on, but no one's talking more about – any, the, the three people that everyone is talking about is obviously Odell, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Which one y'all want first? Riff can pick. Which one you want Wait, first? 
Let's go A B. I mean, yep. I'll talk about all three yeah. of them at the same time because it, it's all related. Yeah, we can we can <laughs> mosh pit all these in. So A B signed with the Raiders, a third and fifth round pick, which is Brent told me that he f- respected that, understood it because of his age. No one's gonna give up a first People, round pick. The NFL values number first round picks so much that it's insane. And that he's thirty, even though he produces more than any first round pick they're gonna get. Will it is they value that exponentially so i understand I, I don't see him fitting john gruden's system me either so i think i think there's a problem there you know and the look at the three teams the jets the and the browns they're turning it around they got the quarterback and they got the gm um the jury's you know we, we the owner's a, a shit show but they, they seem to be doing all the right stuff but these are three perennial losers franchises mm-hmm. that are trying to <laughs> Win free, win free agency. Yeah, and there's no banners for winning free agency. None. And there is one. Really. There is one. Riff. For some reason, it you were talked about all the way until training camp if you win free agency, and I think that's a win for a lot of organizations because that means people are, are at that time. People are buying their tickets. They're yeah. securing their season tickets. They're they're secure. They're figuring out where they're flying to if they're going to road games. So free agency to me is about winning the the money. It's winning hope. This is selling hope. hope. Yeah, this is when it's important. You have to be doing something. You have to be moving and shaking. In order, especially if you're a team, like you said, perennial losers who don't always have a sold-out arena. Outside of the Browns, they do pretty well considering their situation. But this is the opportunity for the owners to cash out right now before you figure out this shit ain't really going to work. Right. So <laughs> that's it. They should know it's not going to work, and the fans should know better too. We got forty years of history on it. I mean, I, or at least thirty years of free agency. Like, I, I don't understand how fans continually, year in and year out, get duped by this. Win, winning free agency means nothing, and and the and these teams suck for a reason. And you know, uh, going after, and I'm not even. All these guys are talented. There, there's mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it, but they got to fit the system, and you got to go somewhere where where I think. Beckham's going to be fine in, in Cleveland, and, and they got the quarterback and, and, and the leadership there, and they'll be fine. But Le'Veon Bell and, and Antonio Brown, they, they went to two loser franchises that don't have quarterbacks, two guys that are the, the that have their faces next to white privilege in the dictionary. So yeah, they're, they're bound to lose. I, listen, Big Ben, you know, may or may not be a race. Probably a racist, uh, may not probably not a very good teammate or good dude, but the guy can play quarterback. Can play quarterback. Um, and that's what I was wondering. Why would Antonio Brown? I understand that Ben Roethlisberger is a piece of shit. He goes on that podcast every morning, shits on his own team, and acts like his shit doesn't stink. But do you really? I feel like there had to be more to why he left because, to me, you don't just up and leave that. Especially if you really, because he's saying, you know, it's not about rings and all that. It's about respect. But at the end of the day, this is truly about money. And I feel like he, the reason he left. He had to be extremely upset about other things that was going on. And I think a lot of that has to do with him not getting the ball like he wants. And in Oakland, there's no excuse to not pound the ball to him every other play. And that's probably was, what he wanted. There was no excuse not to get Aramari Cooper the ball, yet they still struggled to do it. Well, you know, he was, he was dropping everything, remember? He was dropping everything. That was a rumor behind him. That's why they weren't throwing the ball to him anymore. But who knows? I, I want to see what Antonio Brown does when he sees that Gruden still uses paper to watch the film. Well, you listen, it's going to be tough. 
certain receivers are built for a three yard slant and having a quarterback just rifle it in there in the, you know, typical, the West coast offense Mm -hmm. guys like Antonio Brown and Amari Cooper were built to go deep, you know, run deep posts, run deep ends that that, that, where there's a little off the ball. I, those drops by Amari Cooper was Derek Carr firing balls at him yeah. less than 30 feet away. It, it, it's a bad fit. As much as I hate on Derek Carr, if you threw him in a vertical system, he'd probably be a pretty effective quarterback. You don't have to be as smart. You don't have to be as accurate. And and then that big cannon of an arm all of a sudden, you know, becomes a tool. The guys that are effective in these, in these West coast offenses don't have great arms. And the receivers that are effective on it are better route runners and better underneath and are more clever. And, and so it's, it's really a square peg round hole thing going on in Oakland, in my opinion. So we all know that if the, if the quarterback doesn't change, that doesn't really change much. I don't think Antonio Brown cares that they stink, if you know what I mean. I truly feel like he's just basically saying, you know what, I'm out of there. I'm on to a new team. I get to do some new shit and, and, and reinvent myself, basically. But I think it's going to go down in flames because the Raiders organization, Gruden's, the way he coaches and, and how old school he is. I just want to see when Antonio and him get into it, like how it all plays out. Yeah, there's going to be some good TV. And I hate to say, like, being negative and saying Antonio's going to get into it with him as if I, you know, I'm predicting something negative. But I'm just thinking about Derek Carr and how he plays. And it's not even going to be about getting him the ball. It's going to be about the fact that the balls aren't good. The balls aren't accurate. And he's going to be flustered. And then a lot of people are talking about the um, the Cleveland Browns. They've gotten – I can't – there's no hate in me at all. They they really appear to be trying really hard to change everything. Dave Gettleman said he uh, – on February 27th, um, he didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. to trade him. And here we are two weeks later. He's traded – for a first and third round pick. Uh, do you think he's worth the first and third and Jabril Peppers? Oh, the Jabril Peppers, you know, he, he's a good player, but OBJ is pretty special. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, if, the, if your goal is winning Super Bowls, you don't need these, you know, uh, 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 these elite receivers and sometimes the baggage that can come with them. And the price. I personally, and, and the price, but... He's worth it. He's that talented. I mean, he, he what, are, what are you going to get in the first round and third round that's as good as OBJ? You're hoping to get something as good as him. True. So you've, you've, now, you've now done it, you, and it's a known quantity. You know, I think there's, there's always multiple facets to it. The Browns, you know, are getting a guy that's going to, I mean, season tickets are sold out now, right? That's the All win. That's the win already. Okay. They already won. And, and Giants, how many more Odell Beckham jerseys are they going to sell? They've sold all the jerseys they're going to sell. So the owner's happy. We made yeah. our money and we got them off the books. You yeah. know, and I don't even necessarily – when I watch that clip of Dave Gettleman, could, I could totally be wrong here. That doesn't look like a guy that was lying on the 27th when he said he didn't want to trade him. <laughs> he didn't want to trade him. But things change. He, he works for somebody that's got a totally different agenda than what he's doing. Yeah, you know, and and for all we know, Gettleman didn't even hire the head coach. That might have been a hire by ownership. And the head coach goes and says, I don't want OBJ anymore. And the owner goes, you got to get rid of him. And the GM says, I like my job. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. A lot of people are speculating, Brent, saying that 
this is not a win. This is actually going to be a problem because, first of all, he's reunited with Jarvis Landry. They're just going to put batteries in each other's back. And then you've got um, the quarterback who's also extra, loves to dance, loves attention. Is this going to be like an attention horror competition? Are they going to start beefing over who's getting the most attention? And who do you throw the ball to? Yeah, that can definitely – you know, that's a whole different vibe of what they had going on last year. First of all, they're going to have way more attention. Yes, media. They go from being no, they go from being like the lovable losers, like, oh, the Browns actually won a game. Oh, they've won in a few games. Like, people just happy that they're winning games. To now, the Browns are expected to do so much. The Steelers got weaker. Like, you know. The Ravens it, are, are questionable. Yeah, like, so now the, the Browns are, are rebuilding. like a sneak favorite of the division. Mm-hmm. And like that's a whole different pressure. And as good as Mayfield showed him to be his first year, it's still only a second year, right? And this is a lot of stuff thrown at him. And like you said, it's a mix of personalities. You know, things could go a certain way. Odell is definitely lets it be known if he wants the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, Jarvis. I think wants it might be less of a fight because it's Jarvis because it's his best friend. No, you know, that, they be might cool. they might be cool with sharing it. My thing, my entire thing is when that with if they don't play well, if there's issues, if Baker isn't getting the ball out properly, all these things, I think that the the personalities will clash. Yeah, you know, Baker. If let's say Odell says, I mean, I'm wide open, I, my numbers are down, but I'm wide open. Yeah, in the press, and then Baker's like. Oh, he ain't all the way. He ain't open. People are checking him. I can just see that happening. No, they, if they don't too, stay on the same page. Too, if they don't click up legitimately, become BFFs, all three of them, and have a pact that they will not allow the media and their success or failure to take them down. No, because it's going to be a lot of attention that wasn't there before. And that can be a good or a bad thing, and only time will tell. They got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back. That's what I'm saying. They got a lot of weapons, a lot, a of, lot of mouths to feed, so to speak. So it, I like, mean, there's, it's a difference. It's a difference compared to what it's been. There's, there's only one football. Right. It's got to mm-hmm. go around, you know. But this is this, this, that's the same problem on any winning football team. And it's the quarterback's job as the leader, or whoever the leader is, to – yes to find a way to lead to where those wide receivers, because by nature, wide receivers are temperamental. They're going out there, they're running route after route after route, and if you don't see them and you don't hit them, they're going to get frustrated. That's Jerry Rice was no different. You know, every receiver, even the great ones, they're all that way, but they fall in line when they're being quarterbacked by somebody with good leadership. They understand that, and they manage that person's temperament and and that's just that's the job of the quarterback he can't just sit there and be on an island and say you know the 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 wide receiver has to self-police himself no they're they're gonna have to massage it a little bit mm-hmm. we're gonna see what baker's made feel made made of as a leader and, and i believe i think he can do that i believe he can i don't know what happens because i see his reaction in the media and social media even when people say stuff about him he he got a temper and he reacts quickly and sometimes irrationally to certain things. And I'm just, I just don't want them to be the downfall of each other. If the media attacks him, I hope that they just all have each other's back. 
and stay on one page and support each other regardless of what happens. Because the moment the media puts them against each other and says, well, the reason Odell's not getting his numbers is because of you. I hope that Baker is smart enough to say, you know, nothing negative about Odell's, which would cause a fire. You know, and that that's one thing you don't want is. So, so Go ahead. It comes down to, and this is one of these requisites I look for in a quarterback, have they ever faced adversity in their life? Um, he has. I don't think advert exactly. I don't think adversity builds character. I think it reveals it. You either got it or you don't. And you know, the, that's why rich kids make for shitty quarterbacks typically in the NFL. They've never <laughs> faced adversity in their life, and they've never been exposed as you know possibly being soft. And and so he has faced adversity. I agree with Brent. 100%, they're going to face adversity. Expectations are high. They could start off 2-0 and and lose three in a row. Plenty of teams have done that and gone on to deep in the playoffs or a Super Bowl. Or not, because the Bucks you, did it last year and didn't do shit. <laughs> it's, how, it's how you react to it. Yeah. Right? And, and he's shown he can face adversity and overcome it on a multiple times for his height and mm-hmm. size and still overcoming that going to Cleveland of all places, which is like synonymous with losing uh, mm-hmm. and, and that culture. And then his arrest in college, he has shown a pattern of reco- of overcoming adversity. He's built for this. Yeah. And, and speaking of adversity, Le'Veon Bell became the third player in NFL history to hold out the entire season. Um, people were saying he lost 14 million, but in actuality, I don't think he lost anything. I think that he stood on his morals and how he felt, and he didn't allow um, the team to bully him. And I just I found out not too long ago that he the Steelers' contract that they offered him, I mean, he signed a four-year, $52 million with $35 million guarantee with the Jets. The Steelers offered him something like five or six million, five or six years with $60 million, some goofy shit like that. And guess how much the guaranteed was? 20. $17 million guaranteed. Wow. And that's legitimately a slap in the face to the guy who has had the record 129 yards from scrimmage per game. Yeah. Like, come on. You, you, you got to at least respect that. And if you don't want it, let it go. And they, they finally did. I thought, I thought they were going to try to tag him just to, you know, fuck him over even more. But he signed with the Jets. Everyone's saying that this is exactly what Darnold needed to be able to <laughs> throw the ball better. He needs a legit running back. Let me, let me finish. Yeah, they're saying he needs a legit running back that can also catch the ball in the backfield and get him out of sticky situations um, at the line of scrimmage. Riff, what's up? You laughed. Yeah, well, because you know who needed a legit running back to help him win Super Bowls? Who? Dan Marino. Mm. You know who started winning Super Bowls the moment you got him a legit running back? John Elway. They mm-hmm. already showed they were Hall of Fame worthy without those guys. Right. The moment you put talent around them, they won. Sam Darnold isn't going to go from a pumpkin to a unicorn just from putting a running back there. Like, boom, uh, that's I, all he needed right there. He was balling, but this right here is going to take him over to the top. Right. All you're telling me is that Le- 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 Le'Veon Bell is a quarterback whisperer. He can take garbage and make him decent. That, you know, that, that you're, 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 if, he, if he's able to do that to, to, to a crappy quarterback, wow, then he's a pretty special running back. Yeah. You know? No. I don't know. I don't think it's going to – the Jets are going to be the Jets. Uh, a running back in this league, like, even he could put up numbers. He could have a great year. But if your cornerback is not legit, you're you're hoping for 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> so, I, that's it. 
<laughs> you know, it's going to be up to Darno. I, what I've seen from Darno, I'm not overly impressed. So I don't think this, you know, this is not going to make a big difference for them. A, a USC quarterback <laughs> has never even started in a Super Bowl. Right. That's sad. Brent, I think and, Brent might have told me that. Yeah. <laughs> And, I was, and I'm and a USC those, fan while I was. And now those are the kids that have gotten the best coaching since they were children on how to play quarterback. Yeah. They they, they come out of Orange County, the, the private schools. They're surrounded by great talent at USC. They're, 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 they're epitome of what I'm talking about. They've never faced true adversity. They've never been exposed. They've never had to make everybody around them better. They got carried. Right. Sam Donald's, what makes him any different? Mm, I think it's really about hope. <laughs> They're selling hope. This is the time to sell hope, which is essentially selling tickets. I think that um, they did a great job at it. They went and got the Dolphins head coach right after he got fired. Um, Donald is obviously a better quarterback than Tannehill, in my opinion, by how much, you know, we'll never know. But I think that this is hope. They're, they're trying to sell hope. And having Le'Veon on your team, although it doesn't guarantee you anything, it does guarantee you that you do have a guy that's been proven to to be able to succeed at his position. Last segment, one more, one more segment. Um, David Irving, you know who that is, Brent? Riff, you know who that is? Yeah, he's the guy who just quit. Yeah, quit the NFL on live. I actually watched his live. Um, I found out we have lots of mutual friends. So I'm hoping to have him on the podcast. But uh, he quit the NFL, and um, obviously there's different reasons why he quit. The, the, the bottom line and the reason that he quit, based on what he said on live, is that he's tired of the league. He's tired of the lies. He's tired of them shoving bags of pills down him and his teammates' mouths and saying this is the way to do it, but if you smoke a joint or if you attempt to self-medicate, you're, you're, um, you're horrible. You're an awful person. You're an awful human being. I believe he wants to expose a lot of things that he experienced as an NFL player. Do you think, Brent, do you think that, I, I believe, what is this, his third or fourth year? Mm. Third or fourth year in the league um, and was not, was not like a, he didn't get paid. He's mm. not like this rich person that, you know, got drafted real high and got cashed or anything like that. He quit the league because he's just sick of it. I know, Brent, that you have gone through a lot with the NFL and some of the things that you're sick of. Could you imagine just going on Instagram Live, lighting a joint, and just saying, I quit? Um, I probably wouldn't go on Instagram Live, but, yeah, I could imagine just walking away. I've thought about it several times, especially early in my career when I realized the league that I wanted to make and fought so hard to, to get into – was a bunch of politics and a bunch of lies and a bunch of, well, this is who we want to do. We want to promote this guy, not who's the better player or who's, you know, the, not to win games, is to make money and to look right in the process. So it was kind of depressing for me. So I can completely understand somebody just saying, fuck it, essentially. I can. It brings up the age-old saying, never meet your heroes because they break your heart. Right. You know, and and you don't you don't make it to the NFL without, um, especially in your case, you know, uh, the, you took the hard road. You don't make it there without a deep love for the game. 
And, and then you get there and you realize that everything you loved about football has nothing to do with the NFL. Right. And, and for some people that it's, it's too hard. It really is a function. Of, if you loved it that much, it's, it's too, your principles, you know, get in the way of, you know, you, it's kind of the theme of this podcast, lose, lose situation. You know, I thought I loved my brother that much. I was going to be honest with him. Nico thought she loved her best friend so much. She was going to tell her what her boyfriend was doing. And, and those principles get, you know, it's costing him a lot of money that, you know, and, and it's, it's just a lose, lose situation. Do you take care of your family or do you, or do you, you know, do you stand up for what you believe in? And there's really no wrong. I don't fault him for it, man. I'm, I'm one of those people that is, you know, done similar you know things and I, i've known other athletes that have gone that route and i and i can't fault them he has been suspended for violating the ped policy he's also been suspended for the uh, violating or abusing the drug substance abuse policy and you know his explanation to all this is the team doesn't respect the players bodies and the things that they go through and things that they put themselves through the there needs to be more assistance in recovery and treatment. You can't just shove pills down someone's throat and then tell them to get back on the field and get back in the weight room. And two, he's go ahead. He's hitting all the right buttons. He's completely accurate and honest. I'm I'm afraid he doesn't have the platform to be effective. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if anybody has the platform to be effective Kaepernick was a bona fide superstar and mm-hmm. he sacrificed his career um, no differently. And has he really made a change? Has there been an impact? You know, no. and, and so, man, I, it's, it's going to take more than just David Irving. Absolutely. Maybe, and I, maybe, I don't think I that do he, it. I don't think that he pretty much cares about that. That's not even his point. Right. I think that he's basically saying this is for me. I'm finally doing something for myself and about me. And I don't care who doesn't believe it, who doesn't appreciate it, who doesn't respect it. He has a story to tell. And he also said that he's going to come out with his own strain of marijuana. I guess that's going to be how he makes money considering he's no longer going to be a football player. I'm not sure of all his other talents or what what else he's capable of playing or doing, but he was really, you know, a big, a big nobody turned into a big somebody with the Cowboys based on how he played and that's that's another thing. Like you go into the NFL, coming out of college, thinking you're the man. They don't respect you when you first get in there. You bust your ass. You work hard, and you become somebody. Now you're a name. Now everyone's like, "Whoa, this kid from Iowa State is really good." And then you you get humbled by uh, drug drug policy forms and and things like that that you should know better than to to violate. But some people just don't get it. You you really have to play a game to be in the NFL. And I totally feel like, even though I'm not in the NFL, I feel like I play the game really well. Like, my husband's in it. I know all the rules. I try to explain to people the certain things that that you can do with with marijuana and and all that. But at the end of the day, if you want to be in the NFL, you have to follow the rules. You absolutely have to follow the rules. You have to, especially the drug policies, because they don't really want to catch you with marijuana. It's proven based on the way they test for it. Right. They only test you from April 20th to August 20th. That's what I was going to say, too, when hearing his reasons, too. Like, part of that, like, like my reasons would be different. For those reasons, just stop smoking weed until 
uh, the, the test is over. Yeah, and you pass the test, and then you can use that. Yeah, I think that a little bit of it is ignorance and and anger, almost. Yeah, he's 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 heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, like like look at Jose Canseco, loved baseball. It was his life. They blackballed him out of the, the the Hall of Fame. So he's like, fuck it, I'm burning the place down. Yeah. And you know that that's what happens when somebody gets their heart broken. I'm sure he's going to try to burn down, but it's not going to burn down just because he's not big enough. He's not like a quarterback. He's not like a guy. And it's the NFL. Right. And it's the NFL. They have another guy already shipped in to replace him like he was never there. Exactly. Riff, um, one question for you. I guess you didn't see my text message I just sent you. I saw, I saw him. Okay. You want to talk yeah. about Kaepernick? Because we, yeah, we were talking about this over the phone, but we never got to put anything on the podcast. So um, what did you think about the the agreement, the, the contract? We still don't know how much money it is. I imagine it's a lot, considering they absolutely won't say what it is. Because if it wasn't a lot, the NFL would leak that number just so that we could know that he settled for some bullshit. You see what right, I mean? Make an, exam- make yeah. an example out of him. And they'd you know, be like, see, he doesn't want to play. He just wanted a little chump change. But I imagine it's I a mean, lot. But at the end of the day, I'm still, I don't, I don't blame him. I feel like what he did was a sacrifice. It's his, it's his job to lose. It's his legacy to crumble or fail or whatever people may think about what he's doing. But to me, I don't know. I'm not really a money taker kind of person. I'm more of the, I'm going to torch your ass. In court, I'm right. going to make you stand up in front of everybody and prove and say exactly what you did wrong to me. That's my victory. But I can't judge him. You know, he has a family to take care of. He has things that he has to do. What What is your opinion on him taking the money and, and being silenced about exactly what, what went down? Well, here's why you can't judge him is because his attorneys might have went to him and made it real simple and said, look, you can win this case and it's going to cost you more money than you have. because that, Or the NFL is winning willing to give you this nice settlement bow out and and bow out and and you're between a rock and a hard place there and and your attorneys may be on your side but they're they're not really on their side it's a business to them and 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 they want to get the thing done with you know and and you got to be a really stubborn client to say no i want to keep fighting and and call the attorney's bluff and then, and then audit the attorney and say, how much is this really going to cost to fight if you think I, if, if I'm going to win it? Obviously, he was going to win mm-hmm. if they're willing to give him a settlement. The NFL does not do settlements At unless all. they got something to hide. I'm glad we've waited to, to talk about this topic because it's given us time to not have a knee jerk reaction. And it's a very delicate topic. And and so I really wanted to hear your opinion on it because I have I have mixed opinions. I'm I'm the same way I, I, as you. Uh, it's about the principle. I wanted to see. I wanted to see him expose the NFL, mm-hmm. and he's already been. The damage is done. He, he, he's, he's already been made a martyr. And if you're going to be a martyr and sell yourself as a martyr, be a martyr. Go the full nine yards. You know, yeah. it, it, I, I wonder. You know, we're applauding him, and I asked this question. You know, what if Malcolm X or Martin Luther King would have taken a payoff from the FBI instead of having them get killed by him? You know, like would we be would we be applauding them for securing the bag? Would it have been as effective? Would we still be talking about them because they're able to change the narrative once once they've done that? They've sort of Mm -hmm. won in some way. Yeah, because they never got to admit. They never had to admit. They never had to expose themselves and and say, 
yes, we did this. Yes, we colluded. Yes, we blackballed him. They don't have to say that. Now, the settlement says that. It absolutely right. says that. But I think that there's something more winning or monumental about them crumbling like that and humbling themselves to actually be in court. And 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 I think that he might have gotten more money if he would have took it all the way to trial and went forward. But like I said before, it's not my decision. This isn't my career. This isn't my life. I can't judge a man by what he did because, I mean, I, I supported him. I did everything that I could to to support his movement and everything. But at the end of the day, it's his decision on how he sees his future working out. And also, I think personally, it had a little bit to do with the fact that he really wants to play again. Like he legitimately wants to play. Would they put him back in the league? I say absolutely not. But you never know. You never know. Now this is settled. You know, he's probably still going to kneel just like uh, so does um, Eric. um, Eric Reed still kneels. I think a part of this has to do with him still actually holding on to that dream of still playing in the NFL again. And if you have an active lawsuit against the NFL, you are not eligible to play on a team. Period. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. He could have won that case. Everything could have got exposed. Stuff way worse than colluding. And the people that support the owners, that support the NFL, and that have, by and large, a racist take on this whole matter, they would still find a way to justify what the NFL does. It, it wasn't going to change anybody's mind one way or the other. I agree. It, 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 it would allow us to all say, yeah, I gotcha. And we'd be saying that to who? Each other? Yeah, because they don't care. Nothing. Right. So, you know, it, logic and reason, nobody becomes a racist because they, they were logical about it. So, <laughs> so bringing, bringing facts, facts to, the, to the table and evidence and proof of racism is not going to make racism in America go away where people go, oh, my God, I never realized that the, the evidence was there. So now I'm going to change my, my way of thinking. Right. They, you knew that. They never Right. So, man, well, this is a long one. One forty nine. I appreciate you for coming on with me, Riff. It was a great it was fun. Yes. So are you are you off the band now? Are you officially off your band of talking about the NFL and Raiders and anything? You want to come back again? I like these podcasts where we talk about a range of topics. Yes. Okay. well, when I see another opportunity, I'm for sure going to have you on again. Cause I just, I love, okay. I love you. I love everything you speak, you stand for. And, and you come from a very rational place and it's your, it's yourself. It's your true honest self. And that's the best part about it. Cause I know you ain't going to hold back from nothing, it's, especially how you feel about something. I know you ain't going to hold back. And that's really what I love about having you on. So I appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate the, 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 um, the venue. And I enjoyed having Brent with us. You know, I think yeah. it brings it some, another, you know, opinion, you know, that's valid. Does. So. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. All right. All right. I'll holler at you later. All right. Okay. Bye. Peace. We got London on the train. Yes, yes, yes. That's the end of episode 150. And um, let me say this before I get out of here. Um, Corey Jones those of you that don't know who he is please google him he was killed um in palm beach florida by an off-duty police officer um a cop made up an entire story on what really happened in the situation 
and he was convicted on manslaughter charges. And this is the first time a cop has been convicted of an on-duty shooting in 30 years in South Florida. Let that sink in. 30 whole years, they haven't convicted a cop of an on-duty shooting, and people are getting shot left and right down here in South Florida. I see it on the news all the time by police, and this shit is just getting covered up. They are not perfect people. They are actually extremely flawed and we give them so much power a lot of people are like you know why don't why do you hate on the police they're just trying to do their job they have such an important job you know how thankless you have to be to do this job and not get paid no that's exactly why they do it they know they're untouchable it's clear that at the very least black bodies aren't valued and we're putting people's lives in the hands of of cops Um, people that use this job as a plan C, a means to an end. And so, no, I won't be praising someone for being a cop. You don't have to do anything special. Graduate high school, be able to run a lap, uh, pass a bullshit psych evaluation, and then boom, they hand you a gun with a badge. Like, how are are they so honorable? What have they done that makes us want to just give them all this respect, knowing everything that they do to people that look like me? And they also know that even if they fuck up, they are protected. This country protects them, you know? And all they ask him is, can you handle seeing um, black people getting fucked over in the system? Can you, can, you, can you do that? Are you cool with that? Are you with the brotherhood? Can you keep quiet if your, your other brother is lying about some crime that he did? You want me to glorify people that do this? You want me to praise them? You want me to call them an officer? Do you know how hard you have to work to be an officer in the military to get that type of title? You have to put in a lot of fucking work and the police don't put in any work just to be a cop. It's easy and they're killing us.